0: Thank you for joining us today for the preaching ministry of Dr. Chris Aiken, Senior Pastor of Inglewood Baptist Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Inglewood is a dynamic ministry reaching Eastern North Carolina and the world with the timeless truth of the gospel. For more information, visit us online at inglewoodbaptist.com. Now here's Pastor Chris with today's message.
1: Good morning. I'm glad to see you. Let me invite you, if you brought a copy of the scriptures with you this morning, would you open with me to the gospel of Matthew in chapter one, Matthew chapter one, we left off last week at verse 17, this week we're going to pick up right at verse 18 and just continue the story as uh, we talk on the message, the subject, when promises are difficult to embrace, when promises, when God's promises are hard, when they're tough. When they're difficult to not only understand, but really to yield ourselves to. And uh, hey, as you're, as you're turning there, let me just say to you, man, Friday night was a wonderful concert. I don't know how many of you got to be here and be a part of that. Charles Billingsley was just a great, great vocalist. A great time for us to be together as a church family. But I wouldn't take anything for our worship team. I'm just going to tell you, our folks are so gifted, so talented. And aren't you grateful they lead us in worship every single week that we come together? There, what a blessing. God's just given us so much. I'm grateful for it. As a, have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes God's ways are just not easy to embrace? I mean not everything God tells us to do. It's all good. In fact, that's the idea today. It's a good thing. It's a good plan. It's a better plan. It's a wonderful plan, but it's not always an easy plan. You say, wait a minute, are you talking about promises or plans? Yes. When God has a plan, it's according to his purpose and it fulfills a promise. From God's perspective, his plan is a promise. It's a done deal. When he, when he says it, when he announces it, it's a done deal from God's perspective. Sometimes, though, plans are tough to embrace. Sometimes they're tough for, for us. They're tough on us. Sometimes plans don't work out the way we thought they would work out. Would you agree with that? I've been kind of reflective, probably a rela- uh, in fact of the season you know just the fact that you come to the end of the year you're thinking about things and how they go and how they've gone and how they're going and all of that and you think about family and all of that stuff I was thinking you know my mom and dad they're one of their top goals for me when I was in high school they wanted me to go to college let me tell you about my plan I wanted nothing to do with it I wanted to get out of school as quick as possible what a plan And, and then I thought Man, I want to be in charge of my own life. I'm joining the army, and that way I can be in charge of myself and make my own decisions in life. And, and then one day I'll have a family, and one day I'll probably have a job. Maybe I'll be a policeman like my dad. And then, uh, and then yeah, just, just live life. Just have a good time. Just do it my way. Not all plans come to pass. You understand that. I mean, I look around my life, I go... If you'd have told me this at 18 years old, I'd have laughed you out of the room or punched you in the nose. I mean, because I'd be like, this is not my jam. This is not what I was looking for. But sometimes God's plan, hey, listen, all the times God's plans are better than our plans. And they often look more difficult to embrace than the things we have planned. So oftentimes our plans don't turn out the way we planned. But God, God's plans never fail. His plans are promises. They, they, they work according to a purpose that was established even in eternity past. And just because it's a good plan, a better plan, and a, and a well-established plan, and an announced plan, just because of all of those things, doesn't mean that it's an easy plan. That's the idea I want to talk to you about today. As we look at this story That we find in Matthew 1, as we think about plans being changed, as we think about how God's ways are not always easy ways. I can't think of a more appropriate couple of people to turn our attention to than Mary and Joseph. Talk about a tough plan. Well, let's look at it together. We're in Matthew 1. We're going to begin in verse 18 through verse 25. Let me invite you, if you're able, stand with me in honor of the Word of God. Matthew 1, beginning verse 18, I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When His mother Mary had been betrothed, you could insert uh, engaged, had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Father, even in these few moments, would you help us Not only to understand your word, but God to uh, submit ourselves to it, to yield before it, to hear from you as you apply it to our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd have freedom to to teach and to encourage and to correct and to do all that which has to be done. And then I pray as, as the people of God that we would respond in a way that brings glory to his name. So, have your will and way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You be seated. Thank you for standing. And uh, hey, if you'd like to follow along, i want to show you three observations on this message when promises or plans, when promises are difficult to embrace. Three observations about that. If you'd like to follow along on an outline, you'll find it on your church app. Uh, they're under sermon notes, or you could text the word notes to the number that you see on your screen. And uh, we'll send you a link to it right to your device and you can follow along with us here. The Three observations. First thing I want you to notice with me is that Joseph and Mary, well, they had a plan. Much like I described to you earlier and I said, man, I had a plan when I graduated high school. Joseph and Mary had a plan. They had a plan. We know to get married. Look at verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed, engaged, promised in marriage, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with a child by the Holy Spirit. Here's a couple that were engaged. And can I say that engagement in that day to this people in this context would be a lot maybe a lot different than engagement to you and I today. Engagement for them was a very formal process. Engagement to them would have involved their parents. Their parents would have picked them to be engaged to one another and either directed it to have occurred or highly suggested it like you have an option of one or you can be an old maid, otherwise marry Joseph because that's what you're going to do. So it was a it was a it was a prearranged kind of deal. It was an but now it wasn't without passion or without affection. Uh, these two loved each other, but they they were engaged to be married. It was such a big deal that, uh, hey, listen, for them to be unengaged would have required an annulment or a, a divorce. It was so formal of a process. Engagements are, uh, in our culture today, they're kind of like... Test runs or promises, they're pinky swears as uh, we make a direction, we're going to move in this way. It's kind of engagement season. I got friends that uh, their kids are, are, uh, are engaged and they expect they're going to get married. There's dads praying their daughters get married. I saw one this weekend that said yes to a dress and apparently that's a big deal. I've only had boys, I've never had to buy that dress, but I understood it's like a mortgage, and uh, anyway, so there's a dad somewhere going, please, Jesus, let her fulfill this engagement. I want him to, but now that wouldn't have even been a question mark then. When Joseph and, and Mary became betrothed, when they became engaged, it was as good as done. The point being, Joseph and Mary had made plans. They had dreams. They kind of mapped out their future decided what was best for them and what they would embrace what they wanted in life and where they were going man we often make plans don't we and plans are good things but they're not final things not our plans proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 says the mind of man plans his steps but it's the lord who who directs his steps the mind of man plans his way but the lord directs his steps Proverbs 16 verse 1 says the plans of the heart belong to man but the answer of the tongue well it's from the Lord. There's nothing wrong with a plan. Plans are good things. Plans are how we set courses or directions. It's how we move intentionally from point A to point B. Plans are good. They're helpful. They aid us in our choices. They direct our steps. But they're only best when we start with the remembrance that our plans are simply that, ours. And as such, they're imperfect. And they need God's perfection if they're, to be, uh, if they're to be the best plans for us. They had plans, but they weren't the best plans. And the plans that we make should never supersede the plan, the purpose, the promises of God. Maybe you've had a plan and God upended it. We, uh, uh, one of our neighbors uh, was baptized this, this morning and, uh, we baptized her and Hey, she just came to faith in Christ. Just, just recently. Here's what I know. She had a plan in her life and it did not involve that until Jesus stepped in and said, I've got a new and better plan for you. And when that happened, Hey, she's got a new plan. It's not that she didn't have one. She just wasn't willing to exercise it over the plan of God. God's plan is the better plan. Now I want you to notice would be, not only did they have a plan, but secondly, God announced a different plan. He didn't negotiate a different plan. He didn't suggest a different plan. He didn't even try to reason with them about a different plan, but he did announce a different plan. In verse 18, we saw, or we see, that before they planned, uh, their marriage was, was uh, uh, consummated. While they were, their marriage had been planned, Mary was found to be pregnant, and she had to tell Joseph about it. I'm sure that wasn't in her plan. And by the way, it wasn't in Joseph's plan. Think about that for a minute. You've got a plan to be married. You've got, a, you've got this direction, this course in life. And listen, it had the same impact. I know we're looking at it 2,000 years, this side of the cross. And sometimes we can put on, a, we can put on these Bible eyes and, and, and forget that there's a human dynamic to this. Here's what happened. They're engaged to be married. And she sends him a text and says, uh, Joey baby, meet me at Starbucks. And they each got on their donkey and went down to Starbucks and uh, they went and ordered a lot, latte and they're sitting down and she said, I'm pregnant. And Hey, listen, it landed on him probably like that would have just landed on you. What do you mean you're pregnant? We're engaged, but we're not, we're not married. We've, we've never been together. What in the world are you talking? No, don't worry. An angel appeared to me and said, it's God's child. How would that land for you? I'd be like, this is not the plan of God. How in the world could that be the plan of God? How in the world? What's Joey going to do now? What What in the world's going to take place? I got a plan. We're going to be married and you're pregnant. Man, that was a tough thing to swallow, don't you think? Think about that for a minute. What would it be like for you? Man, if we put ourselves in these shoes, we'd have to see this was... This was not a good thing. But Joseph loved her. How do you know that? Because he had every right at that point to dishonor her or shame her. or Under the Mosaic law, even to stone her. But instead, he, he, had a, he went from plan A to plan B. Notice verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. He loved her, but he couldn't see himself with her. So he said, I'll just quietly divorce her and send her away in the engagement. And then uh, it, it'll be in the news for a little bit. People will talk about it for a little bit on Instagram. But, but after that, it'll be over. I mean, there'll be some announcement from the White House. And then, then people will be fussing about that. And there'll be another variant of something or other and people will fuss about that they'll forget all about this eventually i'll just quietly put her away that wasn't god's plan but it was joseph's plan his second plan here's what god said verses 20 and 21 when they had considered this behold an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream saying joseph son of david do not be afraid to take mary as your wife for the child who's been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit and she will bear a son. And there's the first gender reveal party right there. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph and Mary had a plan A. Joseph moved on to plan B, but God announced plan G, G for glory. God said, y'all have got some great ideas. But I've got one that's going you're going to think is terrible, but it's going to be amazing. We're going to continue right where we are. Notice it was not necessarily an easy plan. Why did you tell us that? Because some people think it can't be God's will if it's hard. I mean, if God wants it to happen, it's going to be comfortable, it's going to make sense, it's going to be logical, it'll be convenient, it'll bring us pleasure. And you use that metric to say, well, if it's difficult, if it's hard, if it requires work, if it's disconcerting, if it's inconvenient, if, if there's suffering involved, well, that can't be God's will. Man, I get that. I understand that sentiment. But now, can we agree that that's not a, necessarily a biblical perspective? If it, the Bible perspective on this thing is, is, well, sometimes when God tells you to do stuff, it's hard. God's promises are oftentimes difficult to embrace. It wasn't an easy plan for them. I mean, after all, Joseph's going to marry a woman who's, who's carrying a baby, and it's not his. She's going to be talked about. He'll be talked about. He's a carpenter in town. He'll go and introduce himself on a job site one day and say, hey, I'm, uh, I'm Joseph from, uh, from Joe, Joe's construction company. And uh, they'll be, Joseph, I remember you. I heard about you. You're, um, you're Mary's husband. I got you. Come on. Hey, listen, it was going to be hard on both of them. This whole idea for him was going to be super difficult. Not to mention this plan that God's got here. It's not only unbelievable at this point, but what they don't know in the future, there's an 80 mile donkey ride in the final weeks of her pregnancy in that last of that third trimester. And then there'll be not many months after that, this midnight escape to Egypt where they'll take off and leave everyone they knew, everything they've ever owned. And they'll head to a country where they've never been before and they'll hide out there so they don't end up dead. God's plan? Are you serious, Chris? Are you saying God's plan is sometimes that hard? Yes. Well, I'm not saying it. I mean, the scripture says it. Catch this, though. Sometimes when we trust God and we do difficult things, our worship, I think, is even more worshipful. Our praise is even more honoring, and our lives are more reflective of God's glory. What do you mean? I mean... It's not hard for somebody to sit back and go, man, praise the Lord. I just won the lottery. Praise God, I got a promotion. Praise God, our new house is finished. Praise the Lord. We hit it in the stock market. Bitcoin is ours. man. We're, we're killing it, man. Praise the Lord. It's, it's a different idea when it's, man, we got cancer. Man, I, my relative died. Man, my kids saying crazy things. My marriage is, oh, we're working through. Man, it's, hey, listen, somebody who can praise the Lord when, excuse me, when the chips are down, it seems like worship feels more genuine and even more worshipful in that moment. Let me put somebody on the witness stand for you. Job, for instance. Job, hey, by the way, God called him a righteous man. Now, I don't know. It's one thing for your friend to call you righteous. Oh, there's old, there's old Bob. He's such a righteous dude. And uh, that may even mean something totally different. But when God, when God calls you righteous, let's think about that for a second. God sees everything. And here's what, here's what he said in his word about Job. He said he is a righteous man. In every way, Job, in just a moment, under a testing, in one moment, hey, listen, somebody, I'd say they sent him a text message. They didn't actually send a messenger, but it's the same idea. Sent him a message, said, hey, about 10 minutes ago, every one of your flocks were destroyed. And you may say, well, that's not a big deal. Who cares about flocks? It's shepherds. In fact, in that day and in, a, in that kind of a culture, this would have represented all of his wealth, everything he had suddenly gone. The stock market just hit zero zero. Not up, down. It just bottomed out. Quadrillions. I know that's not a real number. It's like the national debt. It's a lot, a lot. Everything gone. Everything he owned, right there, gone. Everything. Wiped out. He goes to the bank, closed on the door. There's no money left. Everything's gone. While he's still processing that, another guy comes from the other direction and says, a marauding band of uh, enemy nations have just come in and killed all of our employees. See, there there was nobody who had more flocks, more money, more resources than this guy did. And yet, all of those are taken care of by people. And here's what he said, Someone's just come through and just mass murdered everybody who works for you. They've been destroyed. He's processing, I've lost my flocks, I've lost my employees, and then another knock at the door. A giant tornado has just come through town. And the house where your seven seven sons and three daughters are, the tornado took it off its foundation and it fell and it crushed and killed all ten of your children all at the same time. A matter of just minutes, fortunes, family, everything destroyed. Now let's hear a course of amazing grace. Well, you and I think that's impossible. Not Job, that's exactly what he did. Job one, verses 20 and 21. Then Job arose and he tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he worshiped and he said, Naked, I came from my mother's womb. Naked, I'll return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Through all this, Job did not sin nor blame God. Can I just, hey, look here. Can I just tell you, I struggle knowing how to process that. Am I by myself or any of you like that? Man, is that not crazy to think about? Yet somehow in the midst of this, he says, I I don't know, this is not my plan. This is not what I would have chosen. And yet God's worthy of worship, and I'm gonna worship him. And something about that kind of worship just resonates as authentic to me. It's not an easy plan. It's also not an optional plan. God wasn't making a suggestion or trying to negotiate a new outcome with him. God announced his will. God has chosen you, Mary, to have this child. Joe, God has chosen your wife, and here's what you're going to name him. God's not suggestion. He's not offering. Do you know God has a will and a purpose and a plan? He has a promise. I mean, from his perspective, he has a promise that he's going to bring forth. And, hey, our part in that is not to try to come up with a good plan or a better plan, but it's simply to respond to his plan. It's to yield to Him. It's to trust Him. In fact, God's plan requires a voluntary response. And by the way, that's exactly what He got. When Mary heard the announcement from the angels, Luke 1 verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary, you're a virgin, but you're going to give birth to a child and he's gonna save his people from his sins. God's picked you for this, you're highly favored. And she said, but, well, I sat through junior high anatomy class, immaculate conception was not one of the options. Well, this is gonna to be tough. Let it be as you've said, treat me as a bond slave, bond servant, the one who voluntarily, willfully yielded their will to the will of their master. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. And she did according to all of this. Joseph did the same thing. Matthew 1 verse 24 and 25. And Joseph awoke from his dream. And he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus just what he was told to do. Mary responded by yielding to God's plan with obedience. Joseph responded by yielding to God's plan with obedience and that friends is the very essence of faith. It's faith. It's what it is to to know and to hear and to respond to a holy God. It's what faith is. It says I don't know what tomorrow's got in store. I don't know what Tomorrow holds, not to sound like a cliche, but I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know where we're going, but I know who I'm following. I don't trust in my circumstances. I trust in a king. And in that, I rest. Sometimes for each of us, the difference between usefulness and to God's plan to experiencing in the joy of God comes down to a simple choice obey the plan purpose promise of God or rebel against it obey or rebel obey or rebel we face that choice all the time we find ourselves at that intersection a lot don't we It's not a matter of, hey, can we come up with something that's going to really honor the Lord? It's, can you obey what God's already decided honors Him? Because, hey, listen, we signed a contract. If you're a Christ follower today, you signed a contract that said you'd do whatever God said. Here's here's how you signed it. You did it verbally. You said, Jesus is Lord. Lord. That's the confession of faith for every Christ follower. Jesus is in charge. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is a Jesus is owner. Jesus is ruler. Jesus is master. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He doesn't always share that with me. But I will do whatever he's told me to do. I will follow him wherever he's called me to go to do whatever he's called me to do. When he tells me to do it, I'll obey him. That's the commitment that's the promise that's the yieldedness we make to him as Christ. There's no other way to become a Christian. There's not a confession of Jesus. Jesus is a he is my number one counselor. It's not in there. He's a wonderful counselor but that's not the confession. He is the one who saves me. He is a savior but that's not the confession. The confession is Jesus is in charge. He's Lord. Therefore, we're left with a choice. Do we obey him or do we rebel against him? Some say, well, how could he expect us to obey him when he doesn't tell us everything? (laughs) He tells us everything. He says, just follow me. I I know, but I'd like to know more. I'd like to be six foot two. I'd like to have a winning basketball team. I know you're Carolina, it happens. I'm just kidding. Hey, there's a lot of things we want, but here's what we need, follow me. Now, that may seem weird, but you know what? I've got experience in this. When we take trips, we go someplace unfamiliar, like home sometimes, and uh, I'm cutting through some back road trying to find my way back to Red Oak or whatever. I just put an address into Google, and it tells me what to do. Turn left here. In 2.3 miles, turn right. In half a mile, turn right. In 100 feet, turn right. You missed your right, turn around. Turn around, turn around, turn around. I've yet to check a map. I don't even own a map anymore. I've not yet pulled a map to sit and lay out the course of my life to plan out what's the best route to get to Harris Teeter from there and then back over to Walmart and then home after I've left the mission field of Walmart. What's the best route? I don't know. I just put it in Google, go to Walmart. And then it starts reciting Psalm 23. Yay, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of... No, no that's not right. But anyway, it's a, I just go where I'm told to go. It's the GPS. Hey, that's the Christian life. You don't know where everything is. You just take the turns. And listen, if you're like me, you deal with it when it says recalculating, rerouting you. Because you got hard-headed and turned left when I said turn right. So now go up here. Hey, there's an obstacle in front of you. Keep going. Catch the next exit. Turn around. Recalculating. You just follow the directions. That's the essence of the Christian life by faith. By faith. But what if it's hard? Sometimes it is. You think that's hard, try ways. They'll take you through the backwards of everywhere. God's called us to follow him and the charge is either to obey or to rebel. To affirm or to deny. To accept or to spurn him. Well, Chris, I feel like I need to know more than that. If you needed to know more, God would tell you more. If you want to know more, God says, that's why it's faith. You just got to trust me. Notice with me that, uh, notice this third idea. I want you to catch with me here because here's the deal. When it comes to faith, it's about just following God. And while you don't know the outcome, you do know his character and it's about embracing that. So notice number three with me. That had God announced a different plan. Joseph and Mary had a plan. God announced a different plan. And number three, God's plan was a better plan. God's plan was a better plan. It's a better plan. It's a better better promise. It's according to God's plan. It's better than what Joseph and Mary had. It didn't seem better. Better for who? I mean, if you're a human and you're paying attention today, you're thinking better for who? Mary suffered. She did. Mary had to deal with the stigmatism or the stigma of being an unwed mother for a season. And she suffered. And she even ultimately watched her son crucified while she stood by helpless. How's that better? Better for who, Chris? Better for Joseph? Yeah, better for Joseph. Joseph lived with a scandal surrounding Jesus' birth. It was a point in time because of the threat against Jesus' life that he, he left his business, he left his family, he left his homeland. He went to a foreign country and lived among them as sojourners and, uh, and just had to survive there. But he eventually got to return home and yes, it was a better plan. How was that better? Uh, by faith, it's better. And by the way, it was not better just for Joseph and Mary, it was better for all of creation Well, how do you know that? Because it was the will of God. So therefore, it was better for not just Joseph and Mary, but for everyone. Look with me at verses 22 and 23. All this, he said, took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, translated God with us. 700 years before the birth of Christ... And God revealed a, a virgin birth and how it would fit into his redemptive plan. And he did so through the prophet Isaiah. And by the way, I think Isaiah was probably sitting around going, now, do what? And yet he wrote it down, just exactly what he was told. And I bet people read that along the way and said, that can't mean what it looks like it means. That's weird. How does that happen? And 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 400, seven centuries pass. And a virgin conceives and gives birth to a child. And oh, by the way, at that point, they said, Shazam, God's been up to this for a season. He's been at this thing for a bit. This is part of his big plan. But do you know his plan didn't begin there? You could back it up and say, you know, God's plan began a lot earlier than that. Like for instance, in Genesis 3, where in Genesis 3, God said, uh, and the seed of woman, The seed of woman will crush evil, Genesis says. It says that uh, the seed of woman, that's that's odd. Yeah, it it could only be fulfilled by virgin birth because otherwise the seed would be of the seed of man. It is all the way through the scripture. It's the seed of woman. He says the seed of woman will crush evil. Yeah, evil's gonna gonna strike him on the heel, but he's gonna crush evil's head. He's gonna destroy it. Genesis 3 is where that prophecy began. I I might argue that it actually began even sooner than that. You say, how in the world could it begin earlier than Genesis 3? Because Genesis 1 comes before Genesis 3. Genesis 1 verse 31 says this, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning on the sixth day. God saw all that he had made. Man, I don't know about you, but I've read that for years and looked at it like this and said, well, sure. I mean, he looked at giraffes and he said, well, that's cute. And rhinoceros, he said, well, that's efficient. And uh, he looked at squirrels and said, that's annoying. And uh, anyway, he looked at everything that was made, all of it. And he said, well, that's very good. Even people, and that's very good. But sometimes we'll think, well, that's just, that's it. I mean, it was only good on day six. Do you know God doesn't have a day six? The Bible says that Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world, which means God saw Jesus and his sacrifice just as clearly on the first day as he did on the day he died, as he he does today. See, God doesn't have a moment. God, God looks at a series of moments all in one moment, all at the same time. God sees yesterday, today, and eternity all in one single instant. And uh, so there is no past, there is no present, there is no future. God just it just is. And here's what he said I saw all of it. And it was very good. You mean the sin and the suffering and the struggle and the strife? That was part of God's very good. Yeah. You say, how in the world, Chris, could that be part of very good? I've tried to come up with analogies that make sense for that. The best I can do is, is this, and I would change the teams, but I just want to equally offend everybody. I was told after the, first, after the first service they said, you picked a bad day to pick on Carolina. It's like being a basketball coach for a pastel blue team in the capital district. We'll just leave them nameless to protect the innocent. and. Uh, Just before you step out onto the court with your team, somebody hands you a slip of paper and says the final score, you're going to win by 12. And you're like, well, that's good to know. I wished I was a betting man. I could do good. And you put it in your pocket and you go on. And at halftime, you're down by 20. Now, if you believe that piece of paper, you're like, you go in the locker room and go, no problem, stay focused. Duke will not destroy us. We will own them because that's the will of God. Yes. (laughs) I didn't even get an amen in the first service, but I knew there was one out there. It's the blue devils for heaven's sake. I mean, surely that fits into a Bible story. And, uh, And there you go. You know the end so that even in the middle, when it looks desperate, you know in the end there's victory. And God looked at all that was made. And said, "It is very good." You mean your crooked road life, the choices you've made, the regrets that you've built up for yourself, yeah, and the redemption that he provided and he announced it is very good. You mean the missed opportunities, the failed promises, the the struggles you've walked through? And his redemption. And it's very good. See? God knew all the end. Even from the beginning. You and I struggle because we can't see past today. Maybe tomorrow. And yet God sees eternity. All in one moment and he pronounced it very good. Good. The all that God saw wasn't confined to the past or limited by time. He even saw the sin that would enter the world and all the suffering it would cause and the saving work of his son. And all that factored into the very good. In Mary and Joseph's obedience, God brought forth the Messiah. Yes, they suffered, but he brought forth the Messiah and he fulfilled all of the prophecy surrounding him, bringing redemption to the world and pronounced it very good. They did Find themselves running to Egypt and they while they were on the run to Egypt and while they were in a foreign land and while they were dealing with all that's involved in that, they experienced the provision of God as he met their need day by day by day in a way that they couldn't have experienced sitting somewhere else and he pronounced it very good. Joseph did live with scandal, but every day he went home and If his home was like any other home with a little kid in it, he walked through the door and hung up his tool belt. And little toddler Jesus came up and said, Dada. And he looked into the eyes of the Savior of the world every day when he picked him up. And yep, the neighbors talked. And yep, he got to do something nobody else got to do. And it was all very good. Mary did watch her son crucified but she also saw him after the resurrection. And it was all very good. Because you see, you get no resurrection without first getting a crucifixion. Just like you don't get forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. and You don't get the Savior without yielding control of your life. But I'm so, I get so anxious about that. I imagine you would if you didn't trust the one who held all eternity in the palm of his hand and has already seen your end from the beginning and has pronounced it very good if you trust him. This is the same state Jesus found himself in. In Hebrews chapter 12. We're commanded, commended, charged to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father, where he intercedes for you and I, by the way, and where he sits until his enemies are made a footstool under his feet, and he comes back to rule and to reign over the world in practice the way he already rules in heaven. And it was very good. But this same Jesus, the night before his, uh, the night of his betrayal, found himself in the Garden of Gethsemane going, God, if there's any way, any way out of this, please let me out. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And God saw all of that and pronounced it very good. God's plan may not be your plan, but it's a better plan. It may be harder in your plan, but it's a better plan. It may be, it may feel overwhelming, but it's a better plan. It may seem less joyous, but it's far more joyful. It's really what Jesus called abundant life, and it is his plan, and it's very good if we would trust him with it. Have you ever trusted him for his plan? not asking you if you're a church folk. I imagine I'd be in a room by myself if we, were, if we weren't talking to church folk. But I'm saying where you yielded your life. And you said, I don't need the map. I just need to turn by turn. I don't need to know the future. I just need to know who's got it. Have you ever done that? Or are you still struggling with the anxiousness of, Having to make the right choice in the right moment and do the right thing and the best thing. Hey friend, what if you didn't have to know the right thing to do, you just had to know the one who was right? Would you today trust him? It may be a more difficult plan and it may be difficult to embrace, but it's a better plan. And it fulfills a promise. And it ushers in abundant life. But it's just philosophical unless you receive it. This thought came to me. I'm going to wrap up here. Friday night we were talking about Christmas. And in my final comments, just wrapping up, it hit me. Christmas is not about the presents under the tree. But God's present who died on the tree. And that's what matters. It's the fresh start. It's the new beginning. It's the satisfaction of judgment. It's the hope of eternity. It's the joy set before us. And it's a better plan. And it could be your plan today. Everything you've been through up to this point. Could all fit under the very good. If you experience the very good part of his plan would you pray with me
0: thank you for joining us today we hope this message has been a blessing if today's message has prompted you to consider a next step with god we would love to assist you simply drop by our website at InglewoodBaptist.com next or give us a call at 252-937-8254 and let us know how we can assist you If today's message was an encouragement to you, let me encourage you to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you consume this content. That really helps us reach a wider audience with the life-changing hope of Jesus Christ. We hope you will join us next week. And until next time, may the Lord bless you.